the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you've got a relationship with Christ and you feel like you're representing Him well, and make sure you understood that you weren't saved just to sit, but He saved you to send you to make a difference for His glory. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Romans chapter 6. This is very important. I want to encourage you each week to bring a physical copy of the Bible. And the reason is, is because that's a way that you can just test me. Scripture says it's okay to do that when you hear God's Word talk. Test it to see if it's true, if it's what is written there, if it's what it's said. And and the reason that's important is because God's Word is the most important thing you could ever hear. Way more important than my words or something anyone else would say to you. The Word of God. So some of you have a physical copy. If not, a lot of you have it on your phone or a device. And if if you don't have something like the Bible app, you can just uh, open uh, Google and just Google Romans chapter 6 colon verse 15. So 6 colon 15, and and you'll be able to follow along with us uh, in just a moment. And then I want to encourage you to find a way to record what God's teaching you in this moment. Because I've learned that the sharpest pencil is better than my dull mind. I forget stuff. And and so I I like to jot down some of the nuggets of spiritual gold. So Romans chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse 15. I'm in this series called Brand New Me. And here's the premise. All of us wish we could do better. (laughs) We wish we could be better in a lot of different ways. And that's why here in in Tampa Bay, we're in a region that's kind of known for plastic surgery. I mean, there's a lot of effort uh, to to try to get better. Uh, We're in a fitness area. We're in Tampa Bay. So we we try to stay fit to, to be better. We buy new outfits, but not just outwardly. Inwardly, we desire to be different. We, we look in the spiritual mirror and we don't really like what we see. We wish things could be better than we are. We want a brand new me, a, a brand new us. And God promises that. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what we've been singing. We're no longer the way we used to be. But does that mean that we're free to be any way we want to be? Am I free to be me? That's kind of a mantra in society today, right? You be you. I'll be me. And so I can choose whatever I want. I can choose how I live. I can choose my identity. Shoot, I can even maybe choose my gender. That's what some people believe. 
is that right? Is that spiritual? You know, there's a, there's a Christian song that's even entitled Free to Be Me. And it's catchy. I, 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 I kind of I shake my head to this song. I mean, listen to the words. I got a couple dents in my fender. Got a couple rips in my jeans. Try to fit the pieces together. But perfection is my enemy. On my own, I'm so clumsy. But on your shoulders, I see that I'm free. I'm free to be me. I, I met Francesca Batticelli years ago before she became as known as she is today. And uh, man, she's so talented. And I, I, I like this catchy song that she sings. And I think I know what she means, that that I should look at myself in who I am in Christ. I, we learned that last week. I should change the way I see myself. But I, I still don't think I'd say it this way. I, I don't think I'm free to be what I want to be. I, I, I don't think according to scripture, you're just free to accept how you are or what you do and, and say that I'm free to be me. So we're going to look in the Bible because that's where we should test everything that we hear or, or see or experience or feel. Now remember in, in this space, we don't feel our way into believing. We, we believe our way into feeling. So our beliefs are what's going to guide how we really feel about things. Um, so we're going to see, am I free to live how I choose? I, I'll give you a spoiler alert. You are in a sense. You're, I, I believe that's part of the image of God that you're created in. You have some free will. But you just need to understand that's going to affect the destiny of your life. The choices you you make, you're, you're free to choose, but you're you're not free to choose without the consequences that come with those. So, so here's the thing we're going to talk about today. In order to experience true freedom, you, you must pledge your allegiance to the one who set you free, and that is Jesus Christ. And I want to, I want to prove that to you from this passage of Scripture. Before we do that, I, I want to pray once more. And here's what I'm going to pray for you, and then you'll see what I'm going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you that you see Jesus. That's how we begin singing in this service. That's, that's our desire, that you encounter God that you have an openness in your ears and your eyes and your, your mind and, and especially in your heart. We're going to talk about that, that. That you encounter God as he desires to be seen, heard, and experienced. And then I'm going to pray for me that I get out of the way so that you can. All right, so let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you for this day. It's the day you've made. We've rejoiced. We're glad in it. And yet we come into this room and we listen to this message, having come from so many different walks of life, we carry different burdens, we have different challenges, and so we really don't need just what we get from one another, though that can sometimes be good, we need to hear from you. So Lord, speak, we're listening. Holy Spirit, move in this place, we pray. Jesus, let us see more of you. And oh God, would you move me out of the way? You and I know how clumsy I am and Lord, you know the fallen vessel that I am. But I pray that in these moments, my words would be of you and my thoughts would be of you. And the end result would be what I read early this morning, that this is a day of salvation for someone. So God, I thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we are submitting to your comfort and your conviction even in this moment. And we do all of this, praying it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, when we get to the end, there's three things 
I'm going to give you three options for how to respond. Everybody is going to respond in one of those three ways. So just be thinking about that so that when I ask you how you need to respond in a few minutes, you'll be ready. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 15, halfway through the chapter. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Well, what's Paul getting at here? This sounds very familiar to Romans 6 verse 1, the way he began this passage of Scripture. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Romans chapter 6 really points back to the chapter right before that. And in, in chapter 5, Paul ends by telling us that when we sin, we might sin again and again, but God's grace is not going to run out. God's grace is sufficient for you. Whatever you need, God's grace is sufficient. Isn't that great, church? That's his amazing grace. That's why we sing songs like that, because God's grace really is enough. It's marvelous grace, like we used to sing when I was growing up. But does that mean we can do whatever we want? That we, we just look at the law differently? No. In, in fact, this whole chapter is Paul's answer to that question. He's answering this question, you could say. If God is a God of grace, can't I do whatever I want to do, be whoever I want to be, live however I want to live without worrying about the consequences? Isn't that what grace is all about? The Bible says no to this again and again, not just in this chapter. For example, in Galatians chapter 5 and, and verse 1, Paul reminds us it's freedom for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we should stand firm and not let ourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Or in verse 13 in that same chapter, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He explains why in his letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 6 and verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You can't just do whatever you want to do. You're not free to be you. Why? Because you were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So in Romans chapter 6 and verse 15, he begins by saying, Hey, since there's grace, can we just do whatever we want to do? Am I free to be me? And he says, by all means, no. Or in other words, a thousand times no, or absolutely not. And then he explains why. Look at verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey. Whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. He, he said, every one of you, you follow one of two paths. No matter where you were born, the country, the setting, the environment, the, the family, and no matter what your head knowledge, you're going to go down one of two paths. And this is not foreign to us. Even people that are kind of loosely associated with the things of God have, have heard the words of Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, say no one. He goes on to say, either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus is saying, you've got two paths. You're going to choose which path. And then there's another great theologian who spoke to this. You might know his name, Bob Dylan. 
He said this, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But what? You're going to have to what? (laughs) I believe more of you know Bob Dylan than that. You're going to have to serve somebody. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. There's two paths. And so he continues. And look at verse 17. He says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and you've become slaves to righteousness. Listen to what happens here. The Apostle Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is writing this letter to a church like this church. It's a church at Rome. And he's saying, you've been set free from sin and you don't have to live that way anymore. There can be a brand new you. And then all of a sudden he says, thank you, Lord. That's what should happen when you understand the gospel. Your life should be a living doxology. A doxology of praise. Is it? As you go through life, do you find yourself saying, man, I I, I can't believe you're letting me live. I can't believe your goodness to me. I, I can't believe how magnificent you are. Do you ever just go over to the coast and and just look in the ocean and say, God, you are so good. Do you ever look up in the night sky and see the stars or the planets that you can even see just with the naked eye, just looking up into the sky? Do you ever say, God, I just praise you for who you are. That's what should happen. And it's what happens should, should happen more so when you think about what Jesus has done. That he picked you up, that he turned you around, that he set your feet on solid ground, that he saved you, that you were lost, but now you're found, that you were headed to a destiny separated from him, but now you're promised that you can spend forever with him. If that's truly happened, you want to sing praises to God. In fact, in fact, you may you, you may remember these words. Are you familiar with this? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's called the doxa. Let's break out into praise right now. Let's do that, okay? You know this tune. If you do, just sing it with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Yeah, that's us. Praise him above. This is who we're praising. 
Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Give him praise in the house. Would you do that today, church? Does your faith make you want to praise God? If, if not, you, you may not understand. And so that's what Paul begins to say. He says, this is why I'm so thankful. And, and he, he describes for us the four stages of a Christ follower's life. Let me give you those four stages and, and then we'll pray and go home in a few minutes. Number one, you were a slave to sin. And that's who you used to be. Say, I was a slave to sin. If you were a follower of Christ, that's who you used to be. No matter who you are, everyone who's ever lived was born with that same problem, the problem of sin. Do you know what sin is? It's simple. Sin is rebellion against God. It's not doing those things that he asked you to do, and it's doing those things that he said, hey, don't do that. Sin is trying to meet what very well may be legitimate needs in an illegitimate way. Sin is missing God's target, his standard. And the Bible says that we are all sinners. We're sinners. How do you know if you're still a slave to sin? Well, if you're a slave to sin, then you kind of willfully and habitually pursue those things we've just described. Those sins in your life. If you're not a slave to sin, you're still going to sin because we're not reaching perfection on this side of heaven. But when you sin, if, if you're a follower of Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you. And so it's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. And, and so when you sin, you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And you say, whoa, something's not right. I'm out of balance. I got to get right. And you have this inward desire to confess that and make it right with God. So how about you? I want to remind you, we've learned we're not sinners because we sin. You're, you're not a sinner based on how good you are or how bad you are. That's, that's not what made us a sinner. We sin because from the moment of our birth, we are sinners. It's not, it's not just what we do. It's who we are. And, and so if we're going to change, we don't just change what we do. We need God to change who we are church that's why we say thank you god when we think about the gospel because that's what the gospel does he creates in us a new heart we're new creations we're new beings he makes us new that's what salvation is he gives us a new identity that's what happens when we trust christ i get a brand new me that's how you get a brand new you the reality is you were a slave to sin. But then Paul mentions something else. He says, you had a heart change. Now we've got a pastor friend that just went through a heart transplant, a physical. That's hard for me to even imagine that that, that can be done today. It, yet it is. It happens across across the world. But as long as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been around. That's been happening in individual lives spiritually. We've had heart transplants. This is what you did. I want to remind you that the heart of the human problem is the problem of what? It's the human heart. You needed a new heart. And so look again at verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that's now claimed your allegiance. You see, when you become a follower of Christ, 
you begin to understand things differently, deeply within the heart. Before that moment, you're thinking, man, I'd never be a slave to sin. I'm never going to fall into that. I'll never mess up that much. And you haven't understood that it's a slow fade. It's a slippery slope. I had a good day yesterday. Most of my family was gathered together and we grilled some brats for lunch and we had football on the TV screen. We're just chilling. After lunch, I began to notice, man, the house kind of smells like brats. And so I, I lit some candles and, you know, we don't really get to experience fall. So it can smell like fall, right? So we have all these pumpkin spice candles in the house and man, it didn't smell like brats anymore. And we just chilled. And, and then we decided to work a little bit. So we, we went out in the yard and I was cutting down some limbs. And that makes every man just feel more powerful when you got a powerful power tool in your hand. And the chainsaw, I was just cutting down some limbs. And everybody, was, we're dragging those limbs to the street and getting everything ready. And then one of my sons, he, he runs outside and he says, there's a fire in the house. And so we dropped the chainsaw and we all go running inside. And sure enough, one of those candles had gotten a little close to something and it had caught that on fire. And it was kind of right next to a wall in the kitchen and it had started to catch that on fire. Thankfully, it didn't. Thankfully, we got there soon enough. But it was a mess. But let me just tell you something. When I was thinking to myself, self, the house kind of smells like brats. I didn't think. I think I'll start the house on fire. But that was the end result, right? That's what sin does in your life. You're a sinner. You didn't mean to be a sinner. That's who you are. So you go about sinning and you don't think it's a big deal until you find yourself a slave to sin. And when you find yourself a slave to sin, you need a new heart. So you've got to change your allegiance. That's what happens when you get a new heart. You turn from your sins. You follow Christ. It takes an 18-inch journey. It goes from, hey, I understand who Jesus is, to no, he's in control of me. And some of you have never done that. You're a good person, and you've got pretty good knowledge about who Jesus is, but, but it hasn't meant anything to you. And so you don't look like Jesus. Don't be surprised. Let me see if I can illustrate this. If I were to ask you... If you've ever heard of Abraham Lincoln, if you've heard of Abraham Lincoln, raise your hand. Okay, let's play a little game. All right. uh, Did Abraham Lincoln have a job that was a significant job in the world? What was the title of that job? He was president of the United States. Okay. Did did he have any big accomplishments as president of the United States? Just shout it out to me. Yeah, well, he gave the Gettysburg Address, I heard. He, he abolished slavery. Hello, the Emancipation Proclamation, a big deal. Oh, um, does anybody know how Abraham Lincoln died? He was shot. He was a, I'm just telling you, you are virtual scholars about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, you could write a book about him. But, hey, has anybody placed their life trust into Abraham Lincoln? No, how silly would that be? He was a historical figure. He was really alive, but he's not doing anything for you today. I mean, we might have some of the benefits of his life, but. And see, some of you, that's the way you've traded Jesus. You believe he was real. You even say, yeah, mama, he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. I intellectually understand that. But you've not taken that journey where you've given him control of your your heart, and, and you've pledged your allegiance to him. 
You're still committed to your desires, not his desires. You're living according to your plans and the path that you've set out, not what he's got planned for you. I want to make something perfectly clear. You don't need your way plus Jesus. You don't need your way plus behavior modification. You don't need your way plus a makeover so you look different on the outside. You need a new you. And the only way you get a new heart, a new you, is by getting a new heart. And the only way you get a new heart is by entrusting your heart to Jesus Christ. You need to give Christ your heart. I was thinking about this and it just hit me. That's, that's what happens in a marriage, right? When a couple stands before me and they commit their life to one another, I, I don't think they leave the church or the place they were married and then, then go out and look at each other and say, hey, now you know, those were just some words. I don't think that husband says, I can still do what I want to do and be with who I want to be with. And that, that's not a marriage. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.